Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard. You're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Mark Allen. Mark is a broadcaster who has interviewed thousands of people from all walks of life. He is the host of the Late Night Health Radio Show. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you, Kimberly, or Dr. Kimberly. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Yes. So let's start by you telling us a little bit about you and all those people you've interviewed. Like, where'd you start out? Where'd you grow up? Well, I, uh, I started out uh, in, I guess, sometime in high school, I ran into something called trigonometry and advanced math. And a teacher pulled me away and said, you talk better than you add. <laughs> and so with that, uh, I had a career change at about the age of 17. I didn't know exactly what that would be, but something in media. And then when I got to college, uh, the school I was at, uh, we went, uh, we had a, a, a weekly production. And the first time they put me on camera and they said, you know, you're, you're really not very good there. And then they moved me to audio and they said, no, that's not your forte and lighting. We just played with lighting here. I have a little shine on my forehead, you can see. Anyway, the bottom line is that I ended up in front of the camera and I've stayed ever since. Now I still do camera work. I produce videos. Uh, I direct videos and I even on occasion do the camera work myself uh, for, for certain projects. Uh, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which is part of Los Angeles. Uh, and over the years, I've interviewed an estimated 30,000 people. And of course, I'm only 21 years old, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is awesome. And um, now you also have a show called Late Night Health. So what made you be interested in that? What interested you in that? Um, what happened was that I had a health issue. And I went to my doctor and um, uh, my chiropractor, and um, I was actually bent over like that. And went to the chiropractor, and the chiropractor said, um, you're fine. And then two days later, I was back like that. And the third or fourth time I went, it, it just didn't hold. There was something wrong. So my wife made me go to a doctor, uh, an MD, and I'm not, was never really fond of those because I think of them as wanting to cut and build a new boat rather than uh, really trying to help a patient. I went to a really great guy and he offered me three options. He offered me drugs, he offered me a shot, and he offered me physical therapy and I'd never had PT. So I took the PT. I have to say that we did negotiate how many times a week I was supposed to go. He wanted me to go three times a week for three months. Well, after five visits, my insurance company called me and said, we're canceling you. We're not accepting the, 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 what the doctor said. And I said, but you can't do that. And they said, yeah, we can. And I looked at the contract and they were wrong. And uh, the little black-hearted bastards, excuse my language, um, Anthem Blue Cross uh, denied the claim. And I started doing a lot of research. My background is I've been a news anchor. I've been a, a reporter on radio. 
I've done a lot of different things, Kimberly. And I started using my journalistic background to explore this because I was really, really upset. And about that time, the insane Daryl Wayne called me and asked what I would do if I could go back on radio. I had been working uh, for a CBS-owned station in Los Angeles on the weekends, and that had ended. And I was concentrating on my video production and hosting. And of course, you can't host when you're built bent down like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, he offered me a, you know, he said, "What what could we do?" And I said, he thought because he knows my love of food. He thought I'd do a food and wine show. And out of my mouth came, I want to help people 40 plus. You'll get there one day, Kimberly, 40. And I want to help them take charge of their health care because most people do not take charge of their health care. They let the doctors make all the decisions. And that to me is wrong. And we started it and um, almost a thousand uh, segments later, we're in the 900 someplace. Um, we are, we're still going strong. Wow. So what I have, you- I have an interesting guest coming up that you might be interested in. Uh, in the next uh, week or so, we'll be featuring you on Late Night Health. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, besides me, what kind of guests do you have on there? What kind of issues are you talking about? Well, we talk about a wide variety of issues. We, uh, we do talk about insurance and health care. Um, and, and should it be affordable? How do you get it? Why doesn't it cover everything? I mean, insurance is just, it's, it's messed up. I mean, you're, as an optometrist yourself, you know that you can do certain things for patients who have insurance, but if they don't have any money and they have insurance and, and, and you need to refer them to, to a specialist of some kind, it can get very messy and, and strange with that insurance. Uh, I'll give you an example with an optometrist. I went in and with a pair for a pair of glasses, and the optometrist sent showed me a bill for like seven hundred and fifty bucks, and I said, "Whoa, I have three hundred dollars for new glasses every year with my insurance." She said, "Oh, don't worry, you're not gonna no, you're not gonna pay seven hundred, but I have to charge the insurance company that." so that they pay me 300. And then she wanted me to pay her 300. So for a pair of glasses, I was paying 600 bucks. And I was, I, it's just upsetting to me. Uh, the healthcare system in this country is broken. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree, yes. Right. And it all goes back to the insurance companies and frankly, the doctors. Uh, they've taken advantage starting in the 50s and 60s. You know, why don't we have more doctors doing house uh, calls? House calls are very efficient. Why do we have hospitalists? So if God forbid somebody has to go to the doctor, uh, go to the hospital, their primary physician no longer is in charge, but a hospitalist is. And hospitalists have been shown statistically to not only not 
fix the problem, you have a better chance of dying when you're under the care of a hospitalist. That's frightening to me. That is really frightening. It is really frightening. So those are the kinds of things we talk about. And then just on a happy note, we talk about spirituality and health. If you believe in a higher power, uh, you tend to be healthier. You tend to be happier. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we do other things like uh, special types of, of, of healthcare practitioners from energy healers uh, to uh, two traditional medical doctors. Mm -hmm. So, and just to go back to your story about being kind of bent over and not being able to be on camera and having your therapy basically stopped by the insurance company. I see that you are sitting up straight here. So <laughs> something happened to, to change that. So what did you do? <laughs> I went, I, simple. I went back for regular chiropractic treatments, which by the way, the insurance company picked up. Stupid, stupid, stupid. I mean, it was just, it was a very aggravating experience. Yeah, it didn't take long, but I did go on a regular basis to my chiropractor and, you know, they straightened me up. They didn't make me 6'4", but they did straighten me up. Yes, <laughs> that is awesome. So, um, tell me a little bit about, you know, Actually, both of us, even though you gave me a compliment earlier, I'm over 40, <laughs> about anti-aging. I mean, everyone is interested in anti-aging and how do we stop this? And there's big organizations and, you know, Suzanne Summers, we right. all want this anti-aging. What have you learned about that through your experience? Um, a lot. First of all, I don't like the term anti-aging. Anti means against, right? Right. So against aging means you're dead. Think about it. Uh, what I would rather do is talk about aging with attitude, aging with grace. In fact, I'm writing a book right now with a friend, Servette Hassan, and the book is called Growing Old Sucks. And it does to a certain extent. Yeah. But at the same time, considering the alternative of being six feet under, Growing old sucks is certainly better than that alternative. And I have another catchphrase that I like to say, uh, it doesn't have to. Even as we age, even as we have little aches and pains that we didn't have in, the, in our 20s. This is a family show, so I'm gonna stay away from, no, I'm not. I'm gonna talk about sex. As we grow older, both men and women have plumbing issues, okay? And, but they can be overcome. They can be overcome with supplements. They can be overcome with prescription big pharma drugs. They can also be overcome by your, just your brain, your, your thinking, you know. And of course, having sex with somebody that you're in love with, uh, that you're committed to, is much better than casual sex. But as we age, things slow down. It's a natural state. To me, anti-aging, uh, we can't anti-age. Uh, we have to age gracefully. We have to age and understand that we can 
accomplish quite a bit of, 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 of health, even in our later years, even in our 70s or 80s or 90s. I'll tell you about a, a, a small part of my book, Growing Old Sucks, and that is my grandfather was 76 or so, and he died chasing my grandmother around the bedroom. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> right? That I know, right? I know, I know a man in his late nineties, you know, he wants, he wants that, that intimacy. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do everything, you can always figure out something, even just cuddling. Yeah, guys, cuddling is okay. Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> I have to agree. That's awesome. That can be really awesome. So, yeah. And I, I'm thinking of, it's probably gone viral, a picture I saw of this woman that's 80 and she's doing bodybuilding. And they put it next to a picture of a lady who's 80 and she's overweight. She's on a cane. And they, and they put them next to each other and say, these people are both 80. So what what things have you found that actually help us age gracefully? What habits, what attitudes? It's just one simple one. Love life. Uh, we all know people who sit and literally are waiting to die. I can think of two guys that I know. They're 50 plus and they, they won't change with the times. They they do things the same way they did 30 years ago. And it doesn't work. You know, you, you're in Atlanta. I'm in Southern California. And we're talking to each other as if we're sitting right next to each other. Mm -hmm. It's amazing technology. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to, as we grow older, embrace technology. We have to embrace lifestyle changes. You know, we live in a soundbite society. So if that's what it is, give it to, give it to people. You can always give them more. You know, um, you have children yeah. and, and this is my iPhone. Um, what happens to many people, and I don't know if you do this with your kids, you have adult kids, you, you call them up and say, I need a new phone. Here's the deal. I'll buy two and um, you get one, I get one, but you have to show me how to use it. Very common. Ah, yes. That's a great idea. It is. And, and for the most part, I'm lucky because my kids, adult kids, ask me most of the time. I do ask them for something, especially with social media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, that is a great idea because yeah, some people especially as they get older, they don't even know how to use the phone. So, <laughs> which, which is not only, I don't get that, but they don't want to. And I know somebody who, who kept telling me, I don't, I don't want that. I don't need, I don't need a smartphone. But if you have a medical emergency, a health mm -hmm. emergency, mm -hmm. uh, you fall down and you don't have that silly thing around your neck, this this is life-saving yes yes it really is and I actually just was um, messaging on Facebook 
my band director from when I was in high school, who was a very special person in my life because that was just our kind of our whole world when I was during that time. And he was just. Did you play the piccolo? No, I played the clarinet and the bassoon. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but, but I mean, um, I actually messaged him and said, hey, will you be on the podcast? Because I would have loved to have you share. And, and you know, he said, you know, hey, I'm doing okay. I'm happy to do that. He's 90 years old. So he's oh. 90 years old and he's using social media. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> I think it is too. No, I think that's great. Um, I'm trying to interview a man who's 99 and while his only setback is he doesn't drive anymore and I believe it's because he just doesn't feel comfortable uh, and I know other 90 year old people who want to drive who shouldn't and can't but there are people who do drive in their later years yeah, that's true. My grandmother did yeah. up until she was about 94. So yeah, it's, it's right. possible. So how can we take charge of our own health, our own health care? Ah, very good question. Excellent. When somebody comes in to your office, how do you, I'm, you're a doc, okay? Mm -hmm. So how do you address them and how do you introduce yourself to that their new new patient so of course I walk into the room and say hi I'm Dr. Leonard but basically I ask them why they're there that to that day I have found over the years that patients pretty much know what's going on with them and what they need most of the time and they know that better than I do Sure. So I'll ask them, you know, what's going on, what things they want solved. And then from there, I ask more questions and do the testing. And then I use my knowledge based on what they're saying. We create something together because they need my knowledge to fix what's going on. Um, but I, I learned that really, really early on. And I've heard of people saying, you know, the doctor told me this or they they came in and they were told they had cataracts and they had no choice. They had to go get cataract surgery. And I'm like, no, cataract surgery is elective. <laughs> you know, so they- well, it is, I think it is, covered, it is covered by insurance, is it not? It's usually covered by medical insurance. Yeah. So especially a lot of people are 65 and older, so it'll be covered by uh, Medicare. Um, so for sure that's covered then, but um, other insurances, you never know. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the hard part. I'm but turning red uh, um, from embarrassment, apparently. Uh, <laughs> what I teach people, what I tell people to do is to call their doctors by their first name. Mm -hmm. I am offended when a doctor walks into an exam room. I'm half naked because they make you put on these silly, outmoded, outdated um uh, uniforms. You don't have to do that, and you're right. With, Thank what you. Do. Yes. <laughs> Nothing worse than seeing somebody who has really bad skin all over their body. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, so uh, I, I recently, within the last few years, had the following uh, happen to me. I went into a doctor 
a medical doctor, an allergist. And she walked in. Uh, my wife had again made me go to an allergist. And she walked in and said, hi, hi, Mark. I'm Dr. Smith. Nice to meet you. And I looked at her badge and her name before I had gone in. And I said, hi, Laura. Nice to meet you. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm Dr. Smith. I said, oh, well, I'm 20 years older than you are. I'm Mr. Allen. <laughs> and I will be glad to talk to you, uh, to address you as, as Dr. Smith. Uh -huh. and, and she said, and she was offended. And um, I didn't go back to her. Here's the reason you do that. And I don't care if you're 20, 18, or 55, or 90. You always call your doctor by their first name. And you do that to level the playing field. They are not uh, on a platform. They are not on a pedestal. They are not to be idolized. They are working for you. And if you don't call them by their first name, if you do not level that playing field from the beginning, they are going to push what they think you need rather than listening to what you think you need. It has to be a partnership. It needs to be a blend. I, I agree. That, that is so, so true. Yeah. And, Do you mind if somebody calls you? Oh, Tim no. Oh, no. I've had people call me by my first name and it, it's fine with me. Um, you're a yeah. young doctor. But yeah, but I, I tend to have to announce my title when I walk in because I am short <laughs> and I look a lot younger than I am. And so sometimes they don't know that I'm the doctor if I don't introduce myself. They think I'm one of the techs, so. And you can say that. And, and the way I'd say, hey, I'm Dr. Dr. Lynette. Um, you know, please call me Kimberly. Mm -hmm. You don't go by Kim. Mm -hmm. You don't. I usually go by Kimberly. Yeah. Kimberly. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. So, <laughs> yeah. To me, I I just um. Just as a person, me, and as a doctor, I'm a connector. So whatever I can do to build rapport. So I. That is the best way because you're now friends it's why i tell doctors like yourself on on a, a a website doctors tend not to want to advertise but in today's marketplace there's an optometrist on every corner yes and next is. to that is a um a urologist next to the urologist is a shrink i mean there's all kinds of things you have to do something to stand out why not have a video on a on a, a doctor's website and I know a lot of doctors who don't want websites mm -hmm. because they think it's advertising and marketing. But what if the, 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 web, the web video said, hi, you know, I'm Dr. Dr. Kimberly, um, uh, Dr. Kimberly uh, Lynette, and I, you know, call me Kimberly, just wanted to tell you a little bit about myself. I've been in practice for 15 years or 20 years, I went to this school, but 
I have to tell you what I really love doing is cooking for my kids. Okay. What that does is it allows patients to see the real Kimberly or the real Laura or the real Dr. George. It's a real important effort. And it also saves you time in your office as a doctor, because most doctors give you seven or eight minutes. Optometrists, you usually have more time, but generally speaking, you have, you know, between five and seven minutes. Hey, doctor, I've got a sore throat. What can we do? I'll take a culture, maybe have strep, uh, take these supplements, whatever it is. But they usually have a very short window to, to talk to you. That is true. And I've seen that. Um, actually, I interviewed an ophthalmologist um, earlier on a few, a couple months ago, and I went to do the research for our interview and she had such a video on her website and it was awesome. And she went into all the different things she did and a little bit about her history. She wasn't from the United States. Um, and I think it just makes you feel better because I know I've done this in the past where you go down the list of doctors on the list and it's just a bunch of names. And you think, how can I judge who I even want to go see? And right. if you went to their website, it's the same thing. They have their picture. They might have their bio. They might not. They might not even have a website. So you go in kind of feeling uncomfortable, not knowing who you're going to see. And basically, like you said, you're sitting there half naked <laughs> with some, someone you don't know. So that video makes a huge difference because you almost feel like you already know the person. Yes. And video. that's exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, uh, for women and for men, uh, you walk in and you go to a urologist for a man uh, and, or you go to a gynecologist for a woman and you're sitting there and for a woman, you're going to be putting your legs in a, in, in stirrups. Okay. And while I do believe in alternative medicine, there are some testing that I think is, is really good. And that would be one of them uh, for a, a, a pap smear. Uh, for a man, for um, uh, for prostate health, uh, there's you know uh, a terrible, terrible, terrible test for guys. Uh, but if the doctor walks in and smoking a cigarette, um, is kind of disheveled, has dirty fingernails, he ain't going nowhere near me. And I would assume the same thing with you. Yes. Right. Right. Oh but, yeah. Right. But a lot of people were intimidated. And what they do is they, they, they just, they, they'll go through it. They'll suffer through it. Yeah. And, and that is just not right. It, the, times are really different now. I remember, you know, my grandparents, you know, saying they go to the doctor, but the doctor's not listening to them. And the doctor's telling them to do a certain thing and they do it because they tell them, to do it but sometimes it's not even the right thing to do and they're they were afraid to question it they were afraid to go against their doctor and things are so different now one to me i think a doctor is your advisor who knows the medical side who can take what's going on with you the part that you know about because you're the one living with yourself 
you can explain to them what it is. They can take their medical knowledge and kind of integrate it and, you know, figure out together what to do. But the do doctor's word is not end all be all. They can only make, I can only make a recommendation to someone. I can't, if, if they go home and decide not to do something, that's up to them, but I can only make right. my best recommendation. Well, you know, doctor, uh, with your grandparents and with my grandparents, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, jump. And the question is, how high? Are you familiar with the old joke? And I think we can do it here. Um, doc, it hurts when I do this. Familiar with that? And what's the answer that the doctor gives you? Don't give, don't do that. I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, yeah, just yeah. don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. That's the old fashioned way. Okay. That's doesn't help you at all. Take some Advil, take some Tylenol. Uh, don't do this anymore. The question is asked, Doc, it, it hurts when I do this. When the doctor says don't do it, the patient must say, Doc, why does it hurt? what's the matter with my arm when I do this? You have to. Um, the other thing is that the internet is wonderful. It's a wonderful source of information. And let's say you, you, I don't know, you, you're, you see this and you, you, you feel it and you make an appointment with your doctor. There's no reason why you can't research why it would hurt to, to do this. Okay. And you go into the doctor and you have that information it says, doc, it could be arthritis. It could be a torn ligament. Uh, what do you think it is? You're, you're directing the doctor. You're taking charge. Now, guess what happens sometimes, Kimberly? What? Say that louder. Cause I wanted this. What, what happens? <laughs> what happens? What happens is really simple. Some doctors will say, what? You went to the internet school of medicine? That's crap. Don't listen to it. Don't look it up. I'll tell you what to do. And if a doctor ever, ever dared to do that to me, I'd fire them. I agree. <laughs> I would totally spot. agree. <laughs> on the spot. Oh, yes. I believe people need to be in charge of their own health care in that way. And, you know, sometimes they do go to the Internet and they it, it scares them <laughs> because then they think of all the possibilities and they come in thinking something really bad has happened. Well, uh, yes. And, 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 but it's still good to know all the things it could possibly be. But it's the doctor's job to find out exactly what it is and then calm the patient because most of the time it's not the worst scenario. Exactly. I mean, I, I've talked to doctors and patients and I'll ask questions like, um, how do you tell somebody they have stage four cancer? I mean, that's hard. A patient comes in and doesn't feel well and a very common, a very common um, uh, diagnosis could be Pancreatic cancer, okay? Prostate cancer for men. Um, uterine cancer for women. 
this is devastating news. And you have to have a way, there needs to be a way for that doctor to share that news, but in a positive way. It would decimate me, I, I admit it, I'm a baby, but. Yeah, I, I think that would be so difficult to have to share that with a patient. Really? Yeah, you, you know, it, it's, it, it would be, it would be, uh, to me, it would be devastating to both the doctor should be and the yeah. patient. Yeah. And I know that a lot of doctors, oncologists particularly, kind of disassociate themselves. But w when they have to give that diagnosis, um, we all want Marcus Welby. I don't know if you know who that was. Marcus Welby was a TB doctor in the, in the uh, 70s and Robert Young played him. Mm -hmm. And he, he made house calls. And when he had to deliver a, a terrible diagnosis, he did so in a very comforting way, offering hope. Mm -hmm. And you ask the question, you know, how do you get the most out of your doctor? Well, you really want that hope no matter what yes there is hope is is it i mean we all need it we all want it that, that is true and um you know as you're saying that it's reminded me um as doctors we're really not supposed to talk about religion or those kind of things with our patients but I guess I have to say I've broken the rules because when I have a patient come in and sometimes they're not even talking about the problem. They, you know, they're not even talking about a vision problem. They're talking about some other problem because I'm a behavioral optometrist. So we look at the whole person, not just eyeballs. We're looking at their general health, everything. And there have been times where I've said to the patient, um, if you want, would it be okay if I say a prayer with you? Or is it okay if I give you a hug? Because sometimes that's the most, that's, that's the most important part for someone to feel some kind of comfort or like, like they're cared for. And, and, and I would have no problem with that in general, as long as it's a, a pretty mild prayer. In other words, it's just saying, you know, there's, we have somebody who's there, 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 you know, ask your patient who they should, who they pray to, you know, is it God, Jesus? Uh, is it uh, Mohammed? Uh, uh, whomever they, they personally pray. I would change that up to fit their need, okay? Mm -hmm. the, because otherwise it can be offensive. That, that is true. And that's why I ask permission. It's usually in just certain situations. Sure. Where I see someone's really in distress. I mean, if it came, if, if that patient came from your church, that's one thing mm -hmm. and you know them that way. But maybe they're a member of a mosque or a synagogue. Mm -hmm. That could be offensive. 
it, it could be, it could be. So I usually just say God, but I know there's some atheists also. <laughs> you know, there are no atheists when you have stage four cancer or a very serious issue. Everybody says, oh God, why me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, from what I've been told. Yeah, well, I never thought about that. So, all right. So let's switch gears because I'm getting sure. sad here. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's make this positive. Let's make this positive. So just looking at alternative versus your regular Western medicine, um, natural supplements versus pharmaceutical supplements. What are your thoughts on that? Well, keep in mind that I'm not a doctor. Um, remember that trigonometry and the math that <laughs> and geometry that hit me many years ago. So um, I, I believe that big pharma has a place in certain cases. However, I also know that supplements do work. They are, uh, they, they've been proven many for thousands of years, yet Big Pharma can't figure out a way to make money with them. And I understand we all need to make money. If I come to you as, an up, as my optometrist, you're gonna charge me for a visit. That's how you make your living. That's how it should be. And that's understandable. If you take insurance, great. If you don't, I have a choice if I have insurance. So I think that, that they have a place. However, there are less side effects, less problems with supplements. So you need to go to somebody who understands that, maybe a nutritionist. Uh, I have a great guest for you, Dr. Greg Salaya. Um, he's based here in Southern California. He does consultations throughout the country uh, via Skype or Zoom. And he gives anybody who wants it a 15-minute free consultation. He's a good friend of mine. My point is that you need to learn about what you might need. Um, maybe you need to have a lot of different kinds of blood tests or other tests to determine, do you need a big pharma solution or do you need a supplement? Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. uh, though I prefer to take a supplement than a, than a non-supplement. Yes. And there are places that you can get blood tests done also. I know I personally get my blood tests done through life extension um, that, you know, see where I'm at and check myself. <laughs> life extension in Florida. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're great. I, over there, <laughs> there's some <laughs> life extension. Uh, Dr. Mike Smith has been on the show. Other, uh, uh, um, Doctors, PhDs have been um, uh, featured on late night health, and and uh, it's um, it's a very good company. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, 
changing gears again. So just looking back at you and your life, what have been some aha moments or some moments of discovery? Anything interesting that you that people would love to hear about? Well, I'm a very cute man. <laughs> um, say the question again. I'm, uh, <laughs> Throughout your life, have you had any aha moments where you realized something or something that would be helpful for other people? I think we have aha moments all the time. I don't think we always listen and hear them. <clears throat> and I, that's me. We're all over. I don't always listen. Mm -hmm. Got it. I'm learning. Mm -hmm. So if people want to listen to Late Night Health Radio, where would they go to listen to it? Well, they would go to LateNightHealth.com. LateNightHealth.com. That's the best place to do it. We're on, um, we're on, we keep popping up on all kinds of, of, things. We're on SoundCloud. I'm looking down here. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on iTunes. We're on a variety of, uh, of different channels so that you can listen on your phone. You can listen on your computer. Uh, if you're in Los Angeles, you can listen on KRLA Sunday nights. If you're in Albuquerque, you can listen, I think, on midnight Saturday night. And Lake Tahoe is also midnight on Saturday night. Um, and it, we encourage people to write us, offer us ideas. You can write me at info at latenighthealth.com. That's info at latenighthealth.com. I do answer each and every request or, uh, or email and good or bad. <laughs> and we're, a, we, we think we're a bright spot late at night, uh, uh helping people and communicating with people. And what is your best advice for living an incredible life? Oh boy. Love and hope. Mm -hmm. Love and hope. I think that's the, 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 the two biggest things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all you're contributing, your years and 30,000 guests that you've interviewed and how you're just um, sharing and, and, and allowing other people to learn about their health and all you're contributing. And thank you for being on the podcast today. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. Look forward to having you on Late Night Health. And um, thank you for reaching out uh, to us. And we really appreciate that. Uh, always the best part of what I do is me making uh, new friends and meeting new people. We all, I, I just enjoy that a lot. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again soon. I look forward to it.